0: Welcome to Whole Back Rack Podcast. My name is Jessica Hare. I operate Hare Hollow Farm, and we breed boas, balls, and select colubrids.
1: Hi, I'm Jenna King. I operate ASM Royal Tails, and I breed Highland Ball Pythons. We want to
0: share our journey navigating herpetoculture, and are dedicated to promoting biohazard safety for all species. And we would love you to answer the question, what's in your whole back rack? All right, Welcome. <laughs> episode 44 of the whole back rack podcast sponsored by shane kelly is there a shane kelly in the building i'm here
1: oh my (laughs) god surprise he's here do you
0: want to read your own sponsor spot uh hi hi my name
2: is shane kelly i'm from small town exotics i breed reptiles and things and uh you can find me anywhere small town exotics no e in the exotics i'm everywhere Except that new Pharaoh thing that everyone's talking about. I'm not doing that, so don't what
0: look
1: Yeah, what the fuck is that?
0: Not You're- to already derail the podcast immediately, but did you watch <laughs> <laughs> Samson Snake and Torium, like, video about it? He did earlier, and, like, what's in it? I your didn't,
1: cup? but uh, it's going to my list. Shit.
3: No,
2: I, I haven't see- watched it yet.
0: So he just Googled around a little <laughs> so bit, confused. and it is a, I want to say it's like an Armenian businessmen with like ties to lots of bad things started this extra social media back in 2015 to compete with western ones and you're like ooh, the people who own your information are not quality individuals let's put it that way so if you want to put your the the idea there is just don't do it because fuck the people who own the company
2: I look at it like uh, when I was first building there was a thing called mewe that <laughs> it was similar I like, Me-We. like like jump over here they, they won't edit you know they won't censor us and we could sell stuff over here and all this stuff and that's why actually why exotics doesn't have an e. so I jumped on over there. I couldn't put the word exotics it was like a banned word oh. so I had to take the e off. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to run that over there, I might as well run that on every platform. And then, so MeWe did have to do with my naming, but uh, yeah, it failed. Like, nobody was there. I was like, this is stupid, so.
1: Jan, did you do MeWe? I had never heard of MeWe. I am not a tech girl. Shane, was that Slovenia 2019? Girl. Did that happen?
2: Yeah, that was that was uh, the middle of 2019. yeah yeah because that was like right when i was naming my business i was just starting all my platforms yeah uh, yeah everyone was doing it and like nothing was happening over there so i was just like i probably still have an account over there but i don't even know how to where it was how i logged in any of that
0: yeah and and the website was really glitchy i remember being like i couldn't log in for a while then i could and then, like, my cookie cache had to be cleared manually to, to get in, so it was obviously coded by, like, some 12-year-olds in Bangladesh. And they are like, this is good. Let's just roll yeah. that out. Just roll that out. And yeah. Nobody used it. Wow. it.
3: It
2: looked like something out of the 90s or something to me. Yeah. Like, just logging in, I was like, oh, this is generic, man. <laughs> no offense, me, people, but I don't like it.
1: <laughs> is, yeah, is anybody I, even I still doing, like, is anybody all? even still there? Anybody <laughs> in the building over there at MeWe? Here, let's Google it.
0: It's got the worst name, too, by the way. Yeah. MeWeWe.com. <laughs> MeWe.com <Miwi. laughs>
1: still exists. It sounds like a fetish site rather than uh, anything else. You're <laughs> into that, cool, but that's not my thing. There was some Daytona drama. Do you think taking a picture with a... Reptile hobby personality implies approval of their behavior or husbandry.
2: No, no, I don't think it implies that because then I wouldn't be able to take a picture with half of everyone in the world, you know, or in the community. I don't agree with with everyone's anything. so I, I don't think it implies that, but what's your thoughts on it, ladies?
1: So you're saying like, if I take a picture with like Jay Brewer... And then I post it, that means that I'm like a ripped it out of the egg girl.
2: No, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, how many people took a picture with Harvey Weinstein on accident before
1: we all know? Yeah. What do we all know about Harvey Weinstein? For those of us who know nothing, sex
0: dungeons—you know, this is the basics.
1: <laughs> but
0: the point is, is like, is like promotional. <laughs> photographs, like, an approval of everything about that person just by, like, standing near them for a picture? A lot of people were very mad at other people on the Internet this week for standing with other people for pictures. I'm like, come on, guys. Uh, Clearly, they're not like, yep, I went through all of his husbandry, and I approve of each one, and it's exactly how I keep my snakes, too.
1: I think that has nothing to do with anything. If you get a picture with somebody that's famous it never implies that you make you famous it doesn't make you you know a heroin addict or anything like i think that's just a picture of something i don't necessarily agree with.
2: that's like saying i can't listen to abc band whatever because their political stance or what they do behind the scenes it's like it doesn't none of that matters to me that's just my take on it
0: i agree i just thought it was interesting that there was like a cancel mob going after people for taking pictures with other people like obviously to me it's not like in good taste like if you know you don't like someone would you take a picture with them janna would you no. take a picture with me no.
1: yes, i've tried many times to <laughs> avoid the camera like the play. I, don't, I don't know what this is i
0: don't need any pictures of myself in this world no, but like, so like, I wouldn't want to take a picture with someone, but if it just like happened, it doesn't imply they approve of all their actions. So I agree. I just thought that was an interesting thing that came up. And like, who gives a shit? Why is this a problem? I and mean, that—that's why one of the reasons I listen to this
2: podcast because I had no idea any of that was going on. So see, now I know.
1: <laughs> because Jessica followed all the shit. How she even finds this stuff? I don't even know.
2: Oh wow! This on Facebook.
0: No, this one I heard about it from Instagram, but that led to a Sansom Snakeantorium, his video for like the post Daytona, and people were I won't say names of who was being pretend canceled or whatever.
2: Yeah, I don't believe in cancel culture, so yeah.
0: Unless you touch children, then I do believe in cancel culture. <laughs> and you need to fucking right.
1: get. You need to go behind get a truck, fucked up.
0: chained behind yeah. a truck, yeah. and dragged. <laughs> For a couple of <laughs> counties
1: at the same time. Yeah. Right. Speaking of shows, Jane, do you ever go to any of the
2: shows? Big ones? I have not been in a while. I used to go to the Super Show in California when I lived there. I'm not going to make it to any shows this year other than Nashville. Next year, I'm going to try to be in Daytona. I'm going to try to win Daytona next year, is okay. my goal. Now, the Arlingtons and the Tenleys, I have not been to.
1: And you're going to vend Daytona.
2: Are you going to vend anything local to you? Yeah, Nashville. It's like two hours away. I'm going to vend that in December. Like a warm up show to hopefully go vend in Daytona the following year. So I need to,
0: because I've
1: never vended. So you got to go work out the kinks locally.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Other new news, current news Animal Con is this weekend. Do you have any thoughts about Animal Con?
2: I have zero thoughts about this Animal Con. Honestly, it's not even even on my radar. I was wondering if you were invited because you
0: have enough YouTube subscribers that you would have hit the minimum or whatever. I guess you weren't invited. Garnered an invitation? Dang it. Nothing?
2: I'm not not popular enough. I guess. Uh, Yeah, I I don't approve or disapprove of that one. It's not even on my radar. I just vaguely heard about it through other other sources, yeah. It looked Uh, like
0: MJ was scared to begin with and then was actually pretty happy based on his instagram today like he didn't you know fist fight anybody or you know throw hands with good. the other people there cuz there's a lot of personalities you know so i it was probably yeah. good i guess it sounded like it wasn't a complete disaster so that's i approve of not disasters yeah yeah
3: that
2: that's good it's a, that's always good when everyone at least uh gets along mm-hmm. for you know one event <laughs>
1: should be like their minimum requirement at all events (laughs) yeah you would think
2: if it helps bring more people into the hobby that's great
0: all right what's the one minute elevator pitch of what small town exotics is to you where it is now and like what you're doing with it elevator pitch
2: Small town exotics is mainly a ball python designer morph breeding outfit that kind of dabbles in hog noses and leopard geckos. I think our main our main projects would be a genetic Stripe clown.
3: Yeah and we have
2: we have hypo and dg being added into that. We have Sunset and a little dream sickle project. That's my elevator pitch right there.
1: Are you hoping to Get big and have like building or are you hoping to stay small and like boutique like Aussie?
2: Well, this year I kind of went off the Ozzy awesome method. Instead of buying more racks and keep expanding, I kind of honed down the collection and got rid of some projects. But I definitely, when I bought this house, I made sure to buy a house where I could uh, put buildings and all that stuff. So I definitely am aiming toward a building a smaller building on my property within the next two to three years, probably. That's really exciting. It's something that could be a full-time income pool. If not, I mean, I, I do have a, an outside career. This is not my full-time deal, so...
1: You usually like to have lots of hustles going, don't you?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What was your full-time career, if you wanted to share?
2: Right now, I'm working in logistics.
0: How many adult females were you, like, targeting to have?
2: Wow, oh, I sold lock a bunch. I wasn't like 40 adult females, but I'm still right in there. But a lot of those are uh, females that haven't been bred yet. So they're like just coming the size. I don't know. Clutch wise, I want to get up into like the 80 clutch range, but I want it to all be good stuff too, you know? So that's why I kind of spent this year honing down the collection because I have a whole bunch of grow outs that I produced and newer stuff that I bought that is gonna be moving over to this side of the room. So somewhere in the eighty clutch range is my goal. I've hit I hit twenty one last year. I should be right around twenty one again. So I think that's pretty good for getting rid of a bunch of the breeder females. Yeah.
1: Great. Hey, you had a big move mid season, didn't you?
2: Yeah, I moved and at the beginning of twenty twenty one, in March. So I had it in my head that I wouldn't even really have much of a season, but I actually did better. Before I moved, I was planning on, I was aiming for 17 clutches. That's what I thought I'd get. I ended up having 21. So moving actually helped. But it did group <laughs> all of my girls up at the end of the year. So like changed everyone's schedule. So all my hatchlings were in hashling max during that holiday season uh, between Thanksgiving and the first of the year when you, when we don't ship, that's when I had all of my babies oh, ready wow. to go. So <laughs> so like I had to sit on them until we could ship. But then once shipping was going, it was great. because I was like taking like 10 boxes a week to FedEx, you know, so that that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it was kind of hectic around here during the winter.
0: So I guess the first question is like, why did you think that you wanted to test to begin with?
2: Well, it's something I've been aware of for a couple years. You know, I kind of vaguely heard about it when I was getting in. And then I was a part of Snakes in the Fat Man episode that focused on night. I hadn't really heard of anybody having it. So it was like, I knew in my head it was real, but I hadn't had any problems. So it was just kind of like ignorance is bliss, kind of denial phase there for a while. And then uh, I stumbled upon this podcast and then i was like you know what i need to take this seriously because i got a lot of money invested this podcast the whole back rack inspired me to start testing and that's when i started talking yeah so that's when i started talking to y'all and i got all the information on how to test and i did one lab which was cool before just like a, a trial run and you guys Told me about the other lab, and then uh, I don't know if we talked about the names on here or whatever, but you
1: can drop names, it's fine, yeah. So I went
2: with the RAL, is what I call it the reptile, whatever their system works better for me for like just sending in bulk shipments, you know, instead yeah. of one by one type things. So, uh, and I, I've talked to that guy, I forgot his name, but really cool guy over there, and uh, Chad, yeah, because the mail. The mail, actually, that guaranteed mail made it a day late, so I called him and to make sure that if I needed to send in new samples and all that. And uh, fun fact, save your receipts if you use the post office, because the next time I went in, you know, it says right there that it's guaranteed to be there, which they did not do. So the next time I sent in, uh, like, 20-something samples, the shipping was free, so. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. We we have a really crappy post office. So I've done that. i it in and they're like, figure it out online, we don't deal with that shit here.
0: <laughs> right, my post office
2: is like, oh yeah, you get your twenty something bucks and it's so, like yeah, I just paid for the next shipment.
0: That's cool. Has anybody like given you shit behind the scenes? You don't have to name names. Or you could, if you want to get juicy about testing, like, oh, you don't really need to. Uh oh, it's a waste of money. Uh, Shane Kelly no
2: I mean no nobody's giving me any any crap about it uh, definitely have like the naysayers I relate the whole situation about NIDO to like COVID you know you got people on one end you got people on the other end and then there's people in the middle I would be sort of in the middle-ish and you know i definitely talk to people that are on like the total denial end, and then i talk to people that are kind of like coming closer to the middle too you know so
0: mm-hmm. there's a lot more i'm, I'm happy i'm happy to talk about it yeah what's that sorry there was i was just commenting there's a lot more middle people in everything in life than people think like people who are just somewhere right. floating yeah. in the
1: middle right i like to float out in the middle <laughs> A lot of things. It's a, it's a nice, safe place to be.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that testing your collection is, is good, especially if you have a substantial amount of money invested in it. Because I, I like that. I like what you say on the podcast. You know, like the most productive collection is like one that's living, you know, and healthy. <laughs> You're not going to be producing much if. You got a, a room full of Nido, you know. Right. So,
0: have you gotten brave yet and tried to buy one with a Nido guarantee since starting to test, or have you yeah. still? I don't no, I have not done
2: days. that. Yet. I haven't brought too much in since I started testing, honestly. But no, I haven't asked that question to, to any breeders yet. I know you guys talk about the hard times you get,
3: mm-hmm. you know, on
2: the podcast and everything. Yep. And there's, there's breeders you don't buy from and stuff, too,
3: because.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was wondering so. if, like, you had more clout. So, like, your request would be better received than our request as it's, like, dumb white people, girls, little women on the prairies of Oklahoma, like, boring. Like, who? But you already have clout. So, maybe they're like, oh, maybe I will honor this request. because I know he's, like, good for the money or whatever. Like, I don't know if there's, like, a different. but Maybe not. Yeah
2: like I said, I haven't asked yet. I don't really buy from, I kind of buy from the same people, you know, I so. An idea
0: <laughs> to buy like a so network I, or whatever.
2: I, I, I wouldn't see any of those people treating me badly because I've already have history and, and done business with them, you know, it'd just be another whatever right. in part of the deal, you know, so. Now, like a cold call, like, I buy, yeah, I don't know how that would go, honestly. Yeah, I don't know.
0: This is like not a real idea, but I was just thinking about it. Like we could, probably make a whole youtube video of like Jana cold messaging someone new and then shane cold messaging someone new and see how they respond to this like for the same animal same inquiry to the same request and see if they like respond differently that'd be hilarious but sued right away right away immediately
1: (laughs) i mean not if we like blurt out their name i mean but seriously we would all get i'm sure different answers yeah or if Justin better. It would like... Better. Oh. In the last two years, it's really gotten better and there are a lot more people actually even heard of it. Some people haven't heard of it at all. People are so far the other way that they're just like, fuck off and they don't want to talk to you at all. Like you said, there's so many people that are outflowed in the middle and I feel like it's becoming more, more talked about. You know, like uh, Chris Eaton has talked about it for the last two years. He just talked about it with JKR. Brittany Gobble and her husband just did a video on it. I just feel like it's being, starting to be put in normal Bob Python conversations. And so I think that as, as that continues to happen in the industry and people, it's not the boogeyman or the thing people don't talk about um, or whisper it about behind closed doors, that people are going to more open to the idea of testing on intake. And I feel like it's already getting just a little bit better old messaging people and they're like well tell me about it and they're just they're open to it. Um, I just buy a Krypton mail for my Easter clown project and he has a health guarantee already on his site and then he so I was like does that mean that you allow NIDO testing on intake and he's like yeah test it for whatever you want and that's not happened before to me. Cool.
3: It was really that was really yeah. cool.
1: Yeah. I was like, wow, that was so easy. And like, just the interaction with him was phenomenal. And Bill Breer, who was able to communicate and was like, yes, I have a health guarantee that falls under the health guarantee. And I was like, cool, I'm going to test the day I get it. And just like, talk back and forth. And he's just like, same as me. Like, I love having a professional conversation and doing a professional interaction you know you you said you're gonna buy a snake you bought a snake you sent the money you sent the snake i did the testing i sent the results it just was like a perfect transaction all the way around and it felt it felt good for the hobby
2: or you you should uh you should give that guy a shout out then
1: this was balls of dna dan over at balls of dna he was phenomenal and testing friendly um i didn't get into a big conversation about p tests but he does just have it right there that he has a health guarantee so an actual health guarantee that there because there's some people that have health guarantees and they don't mean nido so
2: right and, and i think i think it'll get better as time goes on but i also think that there's levels to it as well like, everyone will be comfortable sending snakes to anyone and everyone and having them ram, you know, blobs down their throat and stuff too, you know. Sure. Like, maybe there's readers that say, hey, I'll test it here. You know, they're meeting you in the middle somewhere, you know. It's not going to be – it's not set in stone, you know, until somebody sets it in stone, I guess. But uh, there's not, like, followed – there's not any, uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say with that.
1: There's no procedure in place yet. Of right, 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 right.
2: There's not like a routine that's accepted by everyone yet. So
1: right, I'm sure
2: you'll see different variations of, of, of it going on, you know.
1: I, and I look forward to that. I don't think that everybody has to do everything the same way. Um, in a perfect world, I would love for it just to be accepted that you can test on intake. And that if a snake is positive, that that responsibility falls on the seller take the animal back That that's the perfect world but for right now just not being told to fuck right off would be great <laughs> even if they don't sell the animal even if they don't want me to test on intake even if they're uncomfortable with the whole idea of it just a professional conversation would be a great start if you're not comfortable with that all professional you know say you know i'm not interested in selling you a snake but i want to get into all that or something you know like you can still be professional you can still have your own ideas like that's fine i just won't buy from you but it doesn't have to be a bad experience for either of us
2: right right yeah stay professional everyone should stay professional these are like little businesses so everyone should stay professional. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and I feel like there's a little bit of lack in that department in general, and so I mean we could probably all work on our professional. Oh yeah, me. Right. How to respond me. to clients? But, me, me, me. But I just, um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's just disheartening sometimes the way that people can come across when you're just trying to communicate your wishes. It'd just be nice not to be labeled like a, you know, like a, Aaron or a a Becky. Crackers over the corner, it would just be nice to just be sure to just like, oh my god, That's cool that you're choosing to do that. But look I don't at choose her, butt. To do that. yeah, look at her butt, <laughs> she's over there <laughs> snacking off some fine ass crackers. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just like basic respect would be fantastic and um room left in the hobby for those of us who do want to test.
2: This is America, yeah. So. I mean, not to get all political or anything, but like it's. If- that person doesn't offer that you just don't buy from them like you vote with your dollar in america so i mean don't yeah. support that business if, he, if you know if he doesn't or they i'm i should not automatically assign it to a guy but uh uh if they don't meet your terms and you don't meet your terms and you just don't do business and go on about your day you know but everyone everyone's to remain professional.
1: <laughs> that's yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like this is my hill to die on and I recognize that not very many people are on this hill to die with me. I mean, Jessica's totally there with me, but yeah. I I recognize that it's a it's a small hill and there's not a lot of people on it, and so I don't need everybody to get on the hill with me and die. Not speaking for Jessica, I'm sure she feels differently, but I just more respect would be lovely. Have you talked about your Nido journey much with any anybody in your close circles or have you been pretty mum about it
2: now with my close circles I have I have not addressed it on like social media yet and and I I will on YouTube or something at some point but I've never been like the science channel so that's not real like I don't know I'd probably refer them over to like this podcast like episode seven and Chris Eaton episode like if you need to find out further information about it like if you don't even know what NIDO is you need to go do your own research because I'm not (laughs) I'm not the guy or the channel to explain that to people so I'm kind of working that out in my head on how that video will go down you know but I'll definitely do a video on how I started my testing you know with the breeding adults and work my way backwards you know through the ages you know. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you worry about any, like, blowback or stigmatism in the hobby if you do come out and do, like, a YouTube video about your process and how your NIDO testing went? Do you worry that that's a black mark on you, or do you think that the community is being more accepting of people that are testing? Like, how do you feel about that in general?
2: Well, I think the community is accepting for people that are testing. But I don't know if anyone should really come out and say they had a positive like, I'm not going to be, like, posting on my website, my testing results. I don't think we're at that level yet. Because I think you in the wrong hands, or you mess up in a different area, that would definitely be ammo against you at yeah, this present. True. At this current temperament in our community, you know?
1: Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, when we did episode seven, I was, like, physically ill about it. Like, really unsure. Obviously, at the time, we had ten listeners. You know, now we have like 100 listeners, but literally we, it dropped and I was like waiting, you know, for the mob to show up and string me up in a tree. And so far, obviously, 100 listeners, it's not like I'm like this super popular person that people have heard of. There hasn't been any blowback and I'm really surprised by that. I've gotten a lot of private messages about... People being grateful that I shared my story, but I really thought that it would impact my business, but it hasn't so far. Yeah, I
2: think that's how it should be. Like if you're a normal thinking adult, you know, you realize that these are animals and things can't happen. You know, it doesn't mean that uh, you're running a, a NIDO breeding facility you know, <laughs> right. full of mites and everything else. You know what Correct. I mean? Like things happen and if you took care of it, you took care of it, you know, and yeah. go on about your day, you know, but. I don't think everyone's at that uh, maturity level.
1: <laughs> oh, there's definitely not that level of maturity in the hobby. It's like even a baseline,
2: <laughs> right? So I, I think the hobby's getting there, and that, and that I hope. I mean, it, but it, at the, on the at the same time, if I have someone that doesn't test at all, I'm not going to like shame them or anything either. Like, I sure, mean, yeah. It's it's their collection, their business. They can run it however they want. You know whether I do business with them or something that you know that's yet to be determined. You know that's a case by case basis. But you know everything's a case by case basis in my opinion.
1: Uh, I mean, Jessica, are you more like the whole world needs to test? Is that where you sit on the spectrum of testing, or do you just want permission to be able to <laughs> buy the snakes you want and test anything you bring in?
0: That's hard to decide because if you don't instruct some sort of social norm that everyone should be at least sending out for pet people, relatively disease-free pets. I don't expect pet people to test, but we're seeing pet people with one or two snakes with positives for deadly ass shit. Maybe every breeder should have some sort of at least prophylactic testing policy of some kind if you're going to be a breeder i was in petco they were adopting out kittens i wanted them so bad i didn't get them because i'm a good person i'm trying to ha- have some self-control they were 60 dollars adoption fees they were already fixed and vaccinated and they were fiv negative so they'd also tested them with pcr for a deadly contagious cat virus 60 dollars awesome. if the cat people can do it we can do it we can let pets be negative or or put steps so that we give people pets that are negative so not everybody know but more people more just more would be good i'd be happy with more for now well yeah. and, i mean then you get into the economics and
2: stuff of it too so like if you're selling $5000 snakes of course a $25 test isn't much but i mean if you got a bunch of byproducts like normal whatever's and they're like $40 snakes are You know, is the breeder going to go through and test all those? Probably not, you know, because the people on the other end aren't willing to pay more for it. So, I mean, you got to transfer the cost somewhere, you know.
0: Right. Either you do the sort of cohort isolation technique, which was a great idea and would make the cost zero for testing babies, or you do randomized testing of a small subsample. So let's say you make 200 byproduct animals and 400 animals you're going to sell retail. Just uh and you can't physically separate them from older animals. Test uh randomized five percent or something. I don't know. That's what they do for birds and hamsters and yeah. stuff like that. They can't keep it straight either. Or like toads at Joss Frog or f- frogs, they'll just randomize and test one deli cup of tadpoles out of a thousand or whatever. And be like, Oh, okay. Probably they're good. Maybe they're not, but we're doing our best.
1: That's all I ever want
0: from anybody is to try your best. This is kindergarten. We're trying our best. Gold stars all around.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just want to hear it normalized in conversation. I want more respect towards each other and whatever our differing views are. At this point in the hobby, I think it's a personal decision. I should be allowed to exercise my personal decision, just like someone else should be allowed to exercise theirs. Like in the short term, that's that's what I hope to see is just – generalized respect for no matter where you are on the, the testing issue and those of us that want to test on intake not being scrutinized for that
2: right so i want to bring up something though. so if you're dead set in stone that you that you want to guarantee on testing on intake you might also be limiting who you could buy from right so like there might be and yes. animals that, that there's only a couple out there and, and you're not going to be able to get them so sure, like I've are you on that I mean I don't know like that goes into personal choices
1: but it sure does and I am literally all three of us are in a gambling game I mean like right. that's what snake breeding or reptile breeding in general is or genetic lottery so to speak I think that anybody that's showing up in this hobby has to enjoy gambling just a little bit right right <laughs> and so I mean normally I'm uh, okay with taking risks because you win some you lose some Getting to the point in my collection where the snakes that I want to add are, you know, three, $3 to $6,000. And that's a big gamble if someone isn't willing to refund you if it's positive. Because I have tested everything, and, and to my knowledge, everything is negative for NIDO. You know, the things that I'm bringing in right now are like, high dollar males. And so they're going to go to a lot of snakes. And so if they come in and they're, they're positive. And the person doesn't want to refund your money and take the snake back. I can't breed that male to my other snakes. And so you're like eating $5,000. You know, I'm going through a divorce right now. I can't eat $5,000. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's really limiting. And it's really frustrating. And that's why I'm saying like, just I'm not saying everybody has to let me test. I just, just some basic respect would be great. Because do have some high dollar mails that I'd like to add to my collection over the next few years and there are some people who are in the same projects as me that won't sell to me and that's really frustrating
0: yeah some people have talked about like Brian Barczyk I ate like 20,000 on a pie that just fucking rolled over and died after I bought it from Hall. he's publicly stated that and so I'm always like what the fuck like I would never eat 20,000 I would sue immediately right So what is Shane Kelly's dollar amount where he would be like, Okay, just like stirring the pot would not be worth it for one thousand? What is what's your pimp level is what I'm asking? Five (laughs) thousand? What is pimp change where you're like, I don't even care? Or is it just like the the like the honor of the transaction should have been met? Bar pied like its bones crackled when it moved. There was something really wrong with it right away. Yeah. I haven't really
2: had
1: that happen,
2: so I don't know. I mean, I've had snakes that didn't perform. Right.
1: You don't get a refund on that.
2: <laughs> yeah, you don't get a refund on oh. it. So, I mean, I don't know. And they're higher dollar. I have, a, I have a high dollar clown that, like, he's two years old and he's like 400 grams, you know. But mm. he started breeding, so I'm hoping that it's, I hope, uh, everything he's doing is viable, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It goes back to the gamble. But I, I mean, I would definitely say if I bought a snake, I don't know, over a thousand bucks and that thing just rolls over and dies, you know, right after the purchase, like, I'm coming back for a refund or a replacement or something. But so far, everyone I've dealt with, like, if there was, slight like, problems or anything like that, they've been really cool, you know? There's something made up for it or something. I've never asked for a direct refund, though, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting... Question: Because once people get deeper in and the snakes get more expensive, then you're like, okay, I'll eat that $500 corn snake, but five thousand, right. ten thousand. I would know. say anything
2: over a thousand, there should be something done, something.
3: But okay. I mean, like,
2: if you're buying a $200 bumblebee or something, you know, or whatever they cost now, like you, there's probably not much of a guarantee there. Honestly, you know, I, I wouldn't push the issue on it, but. Like I said, I deal with a handful of the same guys all the time. So there's a relationship there.
0: You want to shout out your favorite guys? Who are your favorite guys to buy from?
2: Ah, uh, Miguel, of course, always involved in Pythons. Justin's always good, of course. Uh, who else do you got? Corey DeLong, TV Constrictors. That guy has, like, phenomenal customer service. Highly recommend him. He's, like, right up there with Miguel on, on customer service. Dead mouse is real good. Christian, he's a real good guy. Sal Gomez pythons, top-notch guy. I mean, I don't know. The list. I don't even know who I got around here anymore. I haven't bought that much. Oh, Tony. Tony at Hardwired Exotics. I got a lot of stuff from him. Great guy. I did,
1: like, one of his takes one day. He's got really good stuff.
2: Yeah, Tony at Hardwired Exotics. I've done a lot of business with him, so... I'm sure I'm forgetting people, and if I forgot somebody, I didn't mean to.
1: (laughs) So, we recently did a Parthenogenesis episode. I know that you have personal experience with that. Do you want to give some... How did you feel about our episode and our opinions on Parthenogenesis? Your
2: episode was great. I I, I love all the stuff you guys do. Your episode was great. I've had two things that I know of that were Partho, and uh, it was definitely... I think there's... It was definitely a learning experience because I think there's a lot of misinformation on that subject in particular amongst a bunch of experienced breeders. Like if you go and read Warren Booth's stuff and talk to him, it's really enlightening. So like everyone thinks like, oh, yeah, you just get like combinations of the female or an exact replica. And that's not really it. It's like it's either homozygous or it's not. What that means, you know, is, like, it's, if it's... There's no hex if there's any kind of uh, recessive involved in the pairing. And anything that's a codon is going to be super. So there is no, like, in-between on that. But my experience with it is uh, my first time having it, like, almost the whole clutch went bad during incubation. And it was, like, a big clutch. I think it was, like, eight or ten eggs or something. And then four made it to the very end. One died in the egg and never came out and then the three that were left were all deformed somehow that was really crappy and i i kept those three until just about a month ago i donated them to a friend of mine but uh they never really grew like they ate and everything but like they would never go beyond a medium mouse like anything they were big enough to take something bigger but they would just wrap it and leave it they wanted really small meals and they were, so like, they were close to two years old and they were still living in an FD8 tub. So I was going to like, yeah, I had the three of them and I was going to save them kind of like my own little breeding experiment and, and cross them out and see if it fixes the line and everything. And, uh, but like, I was like, at this rate, it's going to be 10 years if they ever get to size now. So I donated them and then I had a recent one, it was a dual tire clutch, so one dad was a super pastel and the other dad was a super inchy. And somehow I got a really cool looking normal out of the clutch. And that was a female. So I assume that's a part, though.
1: Adults are good, too.
2: Yeah, it's like it was, she's really cool looking. She almost looks like a spot nose body with a normal head. So she's really cool, like a really clean looking normal. But uh, yeah, she shouldn't have been there. So I, I'm assuming it's a partial part, though, that clutch. But she has no deformities. And eats great and all that. So,
1: interesting.
2: Yeah, and I had a Partho here. I had a, a puzzle that was from a Partho clutch from Miguel and Adam, and uh, that one did great. I ended up selling it because I had to whittle down on recessive projects. But uh, I mean, that one, uh, like you would never be able to tell it was a Partho. It was perfectly normal, I ain't like a champ. So, I mean, there's definitely ends of the spectrum in in that Partho round too. You know.
1: Oh, that's neat information that they can, they're thriving. But yeah. What do, you, right. what do you do? What do you decide to do as a breeder?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then, like you said, like I said, the three I had, technically, they were thriving. I mean, they, they ate every week, but they just wouldn't eat anything bigger. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, we
1: surviving. I'm not necessarily sure if they were thriving. <laughs>
2: right. Sometimes they would take two little small mice. Yeah. You
1: know, <laughs> <right. laughs> Yeah, it's just a fascinating subject to talk about in general. I just think it's really cool. Right.
2: And and if you go into like deeper into Warren Booth stuff, you'll find out that it's a lot more common than what we think. We just noticed it in where we have Morse because we produce stuff that we shouldn't have produced. You know, so.
1: For sure. Yeah. We were talking about how in the industry, there was a a time where people were selling hats that weren't hats. But some of them were big names. And so we were saying, you know, is it possible that those were Parthno babies? That, right. that person wasn't like a scammer or wasn't trying to do anybody dirty, that it was legit. Like, can't tell a normal from a double head sometimes, you know? Like, so how would you know that that female was Parthno baby? Right. If they weren't failure to thrive if they looked like a normal and they were eating normally. Like, how many of those are actually? No babies, those normal females we just don't know, right? Just and, totally fascinating,
2: and, and that's where I kind of found out like the information I believed until I had a partho clutch was totally different than what I learned from Warren. Example: my first partho clutch was a genetic stripe combo to a pet genetic stripe combo, so the ones that weren't genetic stripe visual. I asked Warren, like, well, what's the chance of them being head? And that's when I found out. It's like, no, it's not a head because it's either a visual or it's not, you know, homozygous or or it's not, you know, so. But a lot of other people that I discussed that clutch with were like, oh, it could still be head. Well, no, it can't. Like, no. So.
1: Yeah, actually, your video is what I referred to. And I, that's what I thought I had as a personal clutch. And Jessica was like, yeah, that's what that is. Your video is the first thing that I saw, which led me to Warren Booth and understanding what was going on. Yeah. Just just a cool phenomenon that happens that more people need to talk about, I think, in general.
2: Right. And I thought it was, like, really
1: special. And I was like, hey, Warren,
2: you want one of these? He's like, nah, I've got a bunch of them. (laughs) It happens all
1: the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it happens every season. Everybody... <laughs> As the potential to have one, and then make it seem like it's like one in a million.
0: Right. Okay. Hard question time. Since you bought a Parthenon baby, presumably at full price, do you think people should buy high-functioning Partheno babies at full price or not?
2: I didn't pay full price for mine, and I think that's definitely a sliding scale on the spectrum. I and I didn't pay full price for mine because it was a partho, and then when I sold it, I didn't sell it at par- full price. And the guy who bought it, who's a big breeder, was like, you should be selling that at a full price. I'm like, yeah, but it's a it's a partho, man. Right. And he's like, well, I have plenty of parthos in my rack that are breeding good for me. So he's like, if, if it functions, you should sell it at full price. And I'm like, I'm not comfortable selling it at full price because read my ad. Like, this thing could kill over and die tomorrow or it might give you one clutch and right. die or, you know, it might not, you know, so whatever. But I mean, you can say that with any animal, but I was just like, I'm comfortable selling it at a reduced price. And being upfront with that, it's a part of, and I think if if you're upfront about it, you price it however you want if somebody's willing to pay it. But uh, you should definitely definitely be upfront about it, or even if you suspect that it could be, I mean, you should be upfront about. It.
0: Do you think the animals that are produced from a Partheno baby, since they are het for the Partheno tendency, should be sold as Parthenolineage lineage animals? Even though they are not Parthenon themselves, they were sexually produced. Yeah, I'm not sure on that
2: part, though. I never really thought that far ahead. That's a good question. I mean, maybe you'd put it, maybe you'd just be open. You know, of course, you'd be open about it, but uh, make that known. But I know on one of the rabbit holes I was down on Parthos, it was kind of implied that once you outcrossed them one time, that it's all fixed. But like you said. It, the tendency could carry down, so those babies could tend to produce Parthos. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think it's sticky I don't know the answer is if that the question. animal seems high functioning, maybe it's fine. But like for sure it's a heritable, probably recessive trait. So one time outcrossing right. just makes them all hit for the tendency to produce Partheno. So if you just kept outcrossing it, you'd never have to hit it again. But how does anybody hey, know if nobody right. tells anybody that their one of the parents was a Parthenon?
2: So right, you, you you probably wouldn't want to pair babies that were both from a Parthenon lineage, you know? Right. So right. yeah, definitely, I would definitely be honest about it and make you know let that be known up front
3: mm-hmm. that
2: this was from a <laughs> Parthenon. But as far as the pricing, I don't know, man. What yeah, pricing is hard to hard uh, to talk about
3: on that. Right?
2: I read a price. <laughs> On my part, though, girl, that I was comfortable selling it at. So, but, I mean, like that guy was telling me, like, it should be priced at full price. That was his opinion. Also, you know? if people are willing to pay it, then I guess you priced it right.
0: <laughs> right. I just think people don't understand what partheno means. It's not just like a sweet hack. Like, sweet. We right, the right. whatever. It's, it has extra things that would require at least at the very least, outcrossing forever after that, at the very least. Right.
1: Help me out here because I'm not a geneticist and I don't have a big biology background, but if Partheno baby can be, like, say mom is head clown, Partheno baby can be normal or clown, right? Sure. So if mom carries the gene for genesis that mean that her babies can be a parthenogenesis carrier or not so maybe the ones that we're seeing thrive are they actually a carrier or did they not get that gene from mom like
0: they had to get the gene from mom because mom was a homozygote because her mom was a homozygote so the tendency to partheno is recessive but it doesn't mean that you were a partheno baby so you the mom of your babies was homozygous tendency to partheno. this is all hypothetical if it is truly recessive by the way, so she was homozygous. So when she made half clones of herself, she could only make homozygous tendency to partheno daughters, no matter which side she picked—the het clown side or the not het clown side. Right? Because she was already homozygous. hundred
1: percent of her offspring have that.
0: Yes. Right. And then, when, but when you breed right. a partheno offspring, it's homozygous. But you could breed it to a male who's not het or visual for the tendency to partheno. He could just be a total wild-type wild-type male. So those sexually produce offspring from a partheno mother are all het for partheno but none of them will partheno themselves potentially. I don't know how you test a male unless you like figure out the male's daughters partheno, right? How would you do that? That's the only With way. a lot of breeding and a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> right. So in general, to keep your lives clean, not breeding partheno daughters even if they're high functioning is preferred because you're not including the tendency to partheno in all subsequent generations right all right shane you're an avid podcast listener tell me why you like this format i love the format too but i want to know why you love the format
2: because i can listen to it while i'm on the go i lead a busy life so i don't have time for youtube all the time and i will listen to youtube podcast interview style things While I'm driving, but I mean, it's sitting there playing, it's eating up data because I don't subscribe to the premium stuff. You know, a podcast, I can lock my phone, have it in my pocket, have earbuds, and be uh, doing other things and and listening. So that's why that's my favorite format for informational stuff. I mean, of course, there's other, like, you, you want to see certain snakes and stuff, and that's where YouTube has its place, too, you know, so...
1: You're not gonna be watching Canova with it in your pocket. (laughs) Right, right. If you wanna see that, you wanna see those things. Right.
2: So I I just like the podcast.
1: And there's a lot more
2: a lot more available in podcasts, not just reptile related, just in general. There's a bunch of subjects that you can uh, I learn a lot of stuff from podcasts is where I'm going with
0: that. Do you have any recommendations for non reptile podcasts you wanna share with somebody to check out?
2: Time Suck with Dan Cummins. That thing is... <laughs> you guys got to check that out. Dan Cummins is a comedian. He's smart. So it, he's very entertaining. And he covers a bunch of different subjects. From, like, of course, true crime stuff to secret entities in the government. Like, any subject. He'll cover any subject. So it's just a very entertaining and informational. And he actually, like, does a ton of research he has people that works for him that does research on every subject he's going to present. So, I mean, it's, it's good. But he's a comedian, so he's got smart-ass quips for everything, too, so it <laughs> makes it entertaining.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you find this podcast and why did you choose to sponsor it? Thanks for sponsoring
2: it. I was thinking about that. How did I find it? It came up as a suggestion because the stuff I listened to or whatever. When I listened to it, I was like, man, these girls are really good. You know, mm-hmm. you guys do some research. You could tell that, you, can, you know, just shoot from the hip all the time. And then uh, I like how you guys uh, do like the events and what drama's going on, about, you know, the industry right now. And then so like, when I, I forgot what episode I found you guys like at. So then I just went backwards and listened to everything. I was like, you know what, man? I don't know why nobody's talking about this podcast. I need to sponsor it. Yeah, show them my support. And then also I started telling other people about it. Yeah. And then started hearing your guys' name more often. So I think Thank you. I think more people in the reptile community should listen to this podcast. So mm-hmm. that's why I decided to sponsor it. Because I know as a content creator, there's a lot that goes in behind the scenes. People don't realize how much work there is. So I wanted to uh, sponsor you guys.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So was, yeah. you sponsored Ballshit and Strength and Leo's.
2: Strength and Wales. Strength and Wales is a great podcast. Here,
0: so. Yeah, it is. I don't even have a leopard geckos. They're very, I don't know, right. charming and informative without too much uh, penis talk like this hellhole of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but This is like a new thing for you to sponsor podcasts. It was just because you were just like, I'm ready to support the content that I actually like the most or...
2: That's how it started. So phrase this right. I wanted to sponsor you guys to also help promote you guys. So then maybe if somebody stumbles across, i it, be like, hey, Shane listens to this. I'm going to give these girls a listen. And that's why I wanted to sponsor you guys in the beginning. And then I was like, you know what? I want to sponsor Strength and Leo's too because I've been listening to him since he barely started. I love that show. And before I was into Leopard Geckos, I listened to Evan over there at Strength and Leo's because it's very informative too. And then after I did that, I was like, well, you know, the dam just broke. I might as well start sponsoring other people. <laughs> <laughs> so at this current stage of my life, I can't do as much promotion and social media as I once did. Sponsoring is another way to get your name out there and keep it in as faces. Mm-hmm. But you girls were different. You were the very first person I sponsored ever. Mm-hmm. So. And I because I love what you guys do, and I still love what you guys do. So
1: Thank you. Oh, we really appreciate it. Um, I feel like you've put a bug in the right people's ears for us, and I really appreciate that.
0: Do you use Spotify or iTunes? I'm just curious.
2: I have both. Ninety nine percent of the time, I use iTunes. Okay. <laughs> but like, but like, if I need to listen to like Joe Rogan or something, he's not over there. So I do have Spotify to go. I don't really like Spotify I don't, just because I'm not familiar
0: with it. So. Okay. Check out Strength and Leo's and Bullshit. Shane Kelly's other two. Yeah. Slightly less favorite, I, guess. Oh, I just picked up. I just picked up a fourth. Oh, no. What is it? Uh,
1: oh, shit. Shout it out.
2: <laughs> uh, the Snakes and the Fat Man Live YouTube. Thing. Oh, I'm, I'm sweet.
1: That. Oh, I'm really looking forward to that. Really, yeah. really. He's going to talk about yeah (laughs) that's a no-go forever
0: (laughs) that's funny because it's actually been a long time
3: Uh. (laughs)
0: Uh.
1: so yeah that's gonna be great um do you remember when his September
2: yeah September I do know that
1: yeah it's like next weekend or something it's it's dropping so our 10 listeners probably know when it's dropping but uh check out Chris Eaton's first live is this, like, ever? Yeah.
2: yeah. 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 It'll be his first YouTube live. So.
1: Yeah. So hopefully uh, 10 listeners will show up to support him. And uh, the rest of the industry will show up as well. That would be pretty cool to see it blow up.
0: Oh, my God. Let's dish some dirt. Do you think it's Sean Bradley's fault? Like, is he feeling... Because um... Sean Bradley's doing a live and, like, a live interview. Does he Does he want to just... Start doing a live to like compete with Sean to flex on Sean, I don't think so. make Sean feel I don't mad about himself.
1: No, no, no. Sean is not. I feel like maybe like when he was in the industry before he was up there with Chris Eaton, but I don't think that Sean is in the same league as Chris Eaton. So I don't think what he does. I mean, I shouldn't speak for Chris, but I don't think what Sean is doing has anything to do with how chris eaton is running his, his empire i i think
2: this is i'm not quoting anything this is just my uh speculation i don't think that chris eaton doing a live has anything to do with sean bradley i think chris going on the no one safe thing with mj i think he liked the format
1: yeah and, i got more so comfortable
2: with it yeah I think that's why he decided to incorporate it into his empire
0: okay. let me rephrase the question then. What do you think of Sean's return thus far as the sponsor? You don't have to be mean or nice, I'm just like curious what people are thinking. I finally watched episode two no comment if you don't feel comfortable, but yeah and I, and they had some technical difficulties. He seems like a nicer sean what do you th- what do you think? He seems nicer. And a little happier, so that's good.
2: Yeah, he seems nicer, a little happier, doesn't interrupt as much.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I think he's still working the bugs out. He was he was used to the audio, you know, the podcast thing. So doing lives is new for him. I think he needs to work on his workflow and uh, get it out there on the audio format, too, because he had a ton of... Subscribers. Is that what you call it in the podcast bro? I guess it's subscribers too, but yeah. Uh, he had a ton of those people back in the day. I'm still subscribed to it, so I think if you put those out in the so, audio only format over there.
0: So he hasn't received notifications from YouTube to all of his old at people. all yet? What's that? Sorry. He hasn't ripped the, the YouTube audio at all yet and then put it on his RSS feed?
2: No, oh. not that I know.
0: I thought he oh. It's
1: a missed missed opportunity. Yeah, I'm still subscribed to him yeah. too.
0: I just thought, I don't know what it, I thought it happened and I just ignored it or something because I'm busy. I assumed he had because he's done like a live thing and he did like a 3D printer discussion session thing that I sort of skipped around in because I don't 3D print anything. Yeah,
2: I know his, uh, his bullshit after darks were kind of like warm ups until the Chris Eaton and the Mark Mandic. It sucks Mark Mandic's internet went down. I love Mark Mandic. Yeah. He's like such a chill guy, <laughs> you know. But he's like uh, classic. The complete opposite.
0: That's the craziest part. He's like the classiest dude. Yeah. It's not crazy. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like there's like a Canadian royalty, and we're just barely invited when he comes on. That's the feeling. I get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, yeah, awesome. man. I, I love I love Mark Mandic, man. Yeah. I mean, he's He's uh, I hope I could be his temperament, you know.
0: <laughs> no, so chill.
2: I think Sean's still working out the bugs. That's where i That's my final answer on that question. All right, he's
0: doing great. <laughs> I just was like, wanted to know since you're the sponsor, how you what you thought he was doing or how he was going, and it sounds like he's doing great. So that's all we need is progress. And I think always, yeah. it's always, like the more the merrier. Like who gives a right. shit? Sure. Let's go. Oh yeah, let's add more. <laughs>
1: let's go. Let's. I'll talk about reptiles all the time. There is room for everybody. Um, I just have to say that. Coming from a podcast to a live format, some big balls. Like, I don't know how MJ does it live all the time. Like, you've been in here now, so now you know the truth that we're a hot mess. Hot mess. The whole fucking time. Hot mess. Hot mess. And um, Jessica manages to cobble it together to make it sound eloquent and intelligent and like we have our shit together. (laughs) And that's not necessarily the truth, and so like our fear going from this format into a live format because we'd like to expand into like lives like once or twice a month or, you know I just think that people that's the way that our industry likes to consume things is podcasts and lives like they like to participate in lives and so um, looking into doing that to have your shit together you gotta have your like you said you gotta have your your formatting down and keep the ball rolling and, it, and it's just it's a much more difficult format to do well so you know my have that that he's he's trying to conquer that because it's a completely different skill set i think
2: i caught the end about you guys wanting to do lives and so as a consumer of content i enjoy both formats but i'm not always able to make lives So lives are obviously live at a certain time during a certain day of the week. As a consumer, I appreciate the people like MJ does it, rips the audio and it's out like the next day or whatever. Mm -hmm. So if there's a guest I want to listen to, I can go listen to it on my time instead of having to sit in front of a TV for an hour or two when I'm not here. You know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's some lives, not MJ, just I'm just going to say some lives that are very shout out heavy. The full hour or two is mostly shout outs and like chit chatting. Does that kind of content appeal to you? Do you listen to those kind of YouTube lives?
2: No. No. Yeah. No. Okay. No.
0: A lot of just like responding to the chat and then shouting out. I don't
1: know. Well, I think if you are like mainly a podcaster and you do an occasional live like to twice for a year and you're shouting out your listeners. I think that's an appropriate use of, of a live is to interact with your listeners, your consumers and, you know, like, give back, so to speak. You're doing like a regular scheduled live and that's all you're doing. I, it interests me as a listener, mm-hmm. as a podcaster. Like that has very little appeal to me, what you're doing every time you're live. I think the
2: COVID time kind of burned me out on lives too, because like before that, the best lives there ever was, ever. Reptiles Unplugged was the only one, really, right? and I loved their format. They had a Wednesday Friends Day, and then every other week, and then every other week they had a guest, and it was great. And like me and like the whole family would sit down and watch that because that was the only one on during the whole week. And then COVID hit, and man, there was a live every second of every day, every night. Like everyone had a show, and I was like, we being like saturated with them, and then they all kind of weeded themselves out. But mentally, me, I'm like, I just can't sit down in front of the TV every minute of every day to participate in every live. So that's why I appreciate the, the podcast platform, because I can listen to it wherever and whenever it's convenient for me.
0: Mm-hmm. But a lot of those lives, I don't even think deserve to be ripped into a podcast, be perfectly honest. Like, it's cool that they're right, having right, fun right, with right, their right. friends, but I, right. I don't know. No, no I fun, agree Tough. too. I agree with that. The ones that made it and are still around
2: are, you know, the better ones, I would yeah. say. And then like Chris Eaton's, his live, it'll be on Sunday nights. So that happens to work with my schedule. So I'll be able to make those lives. and he's doing it like every other week. So it's not like once a week or three times a week or, you know, like, mm-hmm. if, yeah, to me, I just saturation is also an issue, in my opinion, mm-hmm. on certain platforms.
0: Do you feel like YouTube videos that were ripped into podcasts are a worse experience than podcasts that were supposed to be podcasts because they're acting like there's some sort of visual medium there and they don't quite explain it well enough for the audio only crowd.
2: But I have heard that before when listening to a podcast platform. But me, I know in my head that it, it was a live and I'm listening to the audio version. So to me, it's not a big deal. I mean obviously if you're doing a room tour or something, there's gotta be video involved in there. Right. You know, you're not gonna just rip that out of audio. they like, interviews where it's just audio type information are mainly I don't I don't think it's that big of a deal.
0: I mean, listen to not reptile podcasts, but like normal people podcasts like about technology or whatever, and they're like, We don't even like we obviously doing video for this recording, but they don't even do video for their recording session because the gesturing and the you know hand job mo- motion like that is part of the communication that the audience isn't getting <laughs> so like it's not it's changing the the relationship between all of the speakers but the audience isn't getting that and then so then like the dialogue does not correctly reflect the tone and i thought something i think about a lot and I'm like, should we be recording with no video? But then, like, I can't tell if Janice died or whatever if I don't have, like, a video input or, like, the, the phone line. I that, feel like
1: you know? we, with, right, if we don't have video between the two of us, that it, it kills the chemistry and the rapport that we have. We need to see each other visually. I don't I think if we do go into video, uh, I think that the audience will benefit from that as well. Like, there's a lot of. Like, so many hand
0: job motions.
1: Right. <laughs> this is the. No?
0: Uh, no. Yeah. There's
1: just a lot happening. Arnett, you can show <laughs> no all that to the, the, the
0: paying public.
2: You know, between the two of you, you guys should have video
0: because you guys
2: could be talking about something, but being like, you know, yeah, like, know. don't talk about it or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> my audience doesn't need it. I
3: mean, right,
1: so. like the five year plan ha ha definitely is i think we ever were big enough for anybody to give a fuck um and to do like a patreon or something we just thought it would be really fun to do uncuts and stuff because we are a hot mess it's a funny hot mess um i think you get to experience a little bit of that (laughs) in the chris eden episode because so much of his charm is how he plays off of uh, off of his people he's talking to and so the three of us just kind of had like a really interesting dynamic and so normally she edits so much out of, especially I run my mouth so much, and she has to cut a lot of that shit out. And I, I feel like with the Chris Eden episode, she left it pretty raw. Well, I just wanted and to raw dog it for it one time. Raw dogging it. Like mm-hmm. most of the episode was, was still intact. And, like, I never know. Like, I, I get on here and I, I listen to it and I'm just like a consumer. Like, I fucking don't know what's going to come out of that podcast app. You can record two, two and a half hours and she's putting out an hour and 45 minutes. And so <sighs> it's a surprise what gets left in and what right. And so that uncut version um, in my brain as a consumer of other people's podcasts, that hasn't appealed to me to see that, that raw i think you have like, Not, like
0: nostalgia like you recorded it you thought it was bad you recorded it you thought it was good just trust me i think the stuff that i've edited out i trust you it shouldn't explicitly. be there like I, it's already mostly dog shit phenomenal. so i've just taken the corn kernels out of the dog <laughs> shit <and> just...
1: <laughs> just plucked them out individually uh, no no i i totally completely trust you And when you leave shit in even when it's a surprise like the whole i got it because I've mm-hmm. been drinking too much.
0: That was quality content.
1: But quite, it was quite a surprise when I heard that pop out across the app. I also <laughs> laughed my ass off. So, like, <laughs> I completely trust you and you're doing a phenomenal job. She does a lot of the work of this podcast. Like I said, I just show up and run my mouth. As, as a consumer, I think that, that lives are important. I think that Uncut is important. I think that there's room for, if you have a big enough consumer base or listener base, Room for all of that, and I think that certain people find different parts interesting. Right. Yeah.
3: There's
2: definitely something for everyone. Yeah, and that's why I think doing a a video version on YouTube, doing a podcast version, like you want to be able to reach everyone on their what what platforms they're comfortable, which way they like to consume your content. So, Mm
1: -hmm. so if you ever did go full time with reptile business do you think you would put more into your uh, YouTube again? Or do you think you would be interested in doing podcasts? Like if you didn't have other tools that you were doing, is it something that you do and get enjoyment out of? Or is it something that you do because it's just part of the industry? No, I I like
2: doing YouTube videos. I I actually love it a lot. I used to do two a week and uh, I had the time to do it. But uh, when I'm in a hurry and I don't have time, I don't like putting out videos because then I'm hurrying and I come across that way. And then my editing is that way too. I like to play around with most people don't even see what goes into the editing, but I know it's there. And I like like geeking out a little bit on that and having my camera here and having my phone filming footage here and switch angles and stuff. And there's a lot, and it takes a lot more time to do that, but you don't really get a lot of, on a 10 minute video on YouTube, I mean, you're not getting much more out of it. But to me, it's just fun to do. Well, if I was ever full time, I would definitely be putting out like two videos a week again and with edits and all that stuff. again but It's just hard, you know.
3: Yeah, you guys know, you
2: guys have lives and children and stuff to you outside of the podcast and the reptiles and all that. And, Right now, the animal care comes before YouTube. So I've grown number-wise with animals and stuff, so that's taking up more time, which takes away less of my devoted free time than I have for reptiles in general for YouTube. So that's where I'm at with that, yeah. And it is what it is. I'd rather keep my animals healthy than put out an extra video.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I do
2: enjoy. it. I do enjoy it, which I didn't think I would in the beginning. I hate. I still hate cameras. I get anxiety every time I look at my camera. But then once I start going,
1: and then get to the editing
2: phase, it's actually pretty fun, you know.
1: Uh, the stumbling block for me is I don't like to be behind a camera. My kid was interested in it for a while, so we do have a YouTube channel, but it features her, and um, that, that comes with its own set of problems when you put your kids on YouTube and youtube's you know crackdown on kids and exposure and all that stuff but i'm the same way maybe i just need to start doing it more and then i'll get used to it and when i get used to it then maybe i could start posting it but it just makes me wildly uncomfortable when a camera is pointed at me for any reason
3: so
2: the the best advice i was given was just film it edit it and upload it because You'll never get the perfect episode. So, therefore, you'll never put out content if you're going for a perfection. And at the end of the day, I mean, other than informational videos, like collection updates and stuff, like five years from now, probably nobody's going to go back and watch those. You <laughs> know what I mean? Yes. So, right. so, so at the end of the day, you're not putting out a blockbuster movie, you know, all that, just seem professional for the people that do see you on there and seem fun or whatever. And uh, yeah. And just put it up and and you'll get your own workflow and your own style. Like I I learned early on, like, I'm not the science guy. I can't come across the way I want to present it, even though I understand all the information in my head. So I leave that to like the Rob bear cause and stuff like that's his niche, you know? So I leave that to those kind of people. I just don't even try to hit those subjects, you
3: know.
1: Well, yeah, I mean Jessica's the last girl in this group and I just I mean, I just banter off of it and she just likes to record me trying to say the big words. <laughs> <laughs> she used to edit that shit up. Not anymore. No, it's comedy um, gold but... Actually. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that's totally not me but i have no problem like discussing it with her or being like what for the people in the back i have no idea what language you are speaking right now i have no problem like feeding off of somebody but just standing solo in front of a camera i mean it will be a process i move into my uh, snake building a tiny snake room. i should just say snake room it's it's its own building, but it's very, and I'm hoping to set up like a, a background wall and hopefully I'll start doing videos then, and we'll probably be trying to do the podcast videos and stuff. So hopefully I'll establish like a workflow zone there, but I'm going to say you don't seem uncomfortable in your videos. I've watched your videos for a long time. You don't seem uncomfortable. So maybe I could fake it till I make it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's that's it. Fake it till you make it. Make make your space comfortable and convenient, and you'll and and it'll, it'll just come across better, and it'll be easier. You'll film more if it's convenient you. I haven't really since I moved to this house in this room. I still haven't found my my mojo in here. Like I missed my brick. I don't have my brick my brick background. Yeah, Maybe my wife would like my wife will be like I need to put brick in here. You know, <laughs> blah blah. Yes. I'm like, I know. i yeah, just I've do been it. I'm painting it this color. Now I'm going to cover it up with brick, and then that's a whole other
0: chore. I have to move all the rats and all yeah.
2: But yeah, so I don't know. That's all learning experience. Sure.
0: Do you use Premiere Good. or Final Cut or a third party software? I use iMovie.
1: <laughs> <You're> <laughs> oh, back, nice. Don't you? Yeah. I nice. I need you? I need to learn how to do that.
2: It's I, simple. I it's that. free on your Mac,
1: and like
2: you can actually do a lot with it. I learned how to edit from watching YouTube videos on from like twelve-year-old kids. And that's how I learned <laughs> how to Photoshop and all that. Like twelve-year-old kid proud of had these tutorials, and I'm like, man, this this kid can do it. I can do it. <laughs> Keep it simple. But that, that's something Costco taught me. Well, like well, I went over to his house and did some stuff with him. Like I was, I was looking into getting like a final cru- cut or something like that. And, uh, you know, he, he just kind of advised me just like, keep it simple and you'll know when you need to grow past it and what you're trying to do. Like, uh, are you a YouTuber or are you a reptile breeder that happens to have a YouTube channel? So I had to define that in my head too, because I was going down like a YouTube rabbit hole.
3: Yeah, you were. And I was
2: like, where, where's my attention need to be? It needs to be on the animals. So. Do I need drones and all this stuff? No, I don't, not for what I do. So, mm-hmm. but like, that was the stuff that was in my head. It was all in shopping carts online. Like, you know, but like, I don't need that for my channel. Leave that to the Cuscos and, and those guys, you know? And let me tell you, like filming, like I had one video where I went and picked up a snake. So I did all the, I was watching, like watching like Maddie Hippoa and stuff at the time. So I was like kind of getting inspiration from them and like, Stopping on a street, setting up your camera, driving by it, then <laughs> backing up, getting your camera, and then doing it like so. FedEx, where I used to live, was literally five minutes down the road. I happen to live right by the FedEx hub. It took me 45 minutes to get there and back, <laughs> filming B roll. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that B roll was maybe 20 seconds worth of the video. And I was like, man, where does my attention need to be here? You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: He enjoyed your forty-five minutes. It was super Fantastic fun, I, I was—I would six, love to 26. get back
2: to that. I would love to get back to that. Believe me, it was super fun, and like putting it all together, and I, like it was super fun. So, but I just don't have the time now.
0: Do you, you don't do you still do four horsemen videos, do you? Am I making that up? No,
2: unfortunately not, Rob. When did it end? I'm—I'm I'm not sure when it ended. I still talk to Rob Bearclaw lot, and, of course, Ron. Ron. Ron's, like, one of my mentors. He'll always be. But Richard from Predator BP, he, uh, got out of ball python, switched <gasps> to boas, and What? And then... What? Yeah, and, and
0: then well, I just he was, thought he, he was, was like... From YouTube.
2: No, so he, he got, got rid of all the ball pythons, switched over to boas, and then I went to go get a... Somebody needed a link to Four Horse or no? Somebody needed a link to uh, like beginner care for ball pythons. So I used to shoot him. Richard had really good videos on mm-hmm. that, you know. So I would used to send links to his, and all of his content is off of YouTube. He deleted it all. So every Four Horseman video we ever did and everything is gone. I didn't
0: know I did that. I didn't
1: realize. That's how I actually found you is mm-hmm. through yeah. the Four Horsemen, like. I watched predator BP. And then that, then I started watching the four horsemen and, and then they're separate channels. That blows my mind. I had no idea.
2: So he, he got rid of Facebook a long time ago. And then, and once he, he got rid of Instagram, I thought maybe he just had trouble or something. And then, like I said, I went to go get a link for a video and his channels there, but all the videos are gone. And then, so the only other way I knew how to get a hold of him is I emailed him. And he just told me that, you know, basically he got, he got tired of it all. He got tired of all the drama. So he deleted everything. And I was like, man, so Richard, if you ever listen to this, I don't think you were smart for deleting all those videos. And uh, maybe I was a little perturbed that uh, he deleted the four horsemen ones too, because we all put a lot of work into that. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah that's, that's uh community effort there that should be still available as good stuff. Yeah, so yeah, that was
2: kinda of depressing, but I mean everyone makes their own choices and decisions, so
0: Yeah, is, maybe but, you could like give give the audio there. files to somebody and you can just put them on a four horsemen only channel and just let it be there as like a no new content I guess, but it's just it's just there right. for you know, all the work that was done. Dirty. That's crazy. I didn't know that. I didn't know we were going to get deep news.
1: Hot news, Hot yeah. Deep. I yeah, just yeah. feel like there was I no never, content uh, for a
0: while, but I never figured it out.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I messaged the other guys, and Rob was kind of like Rich's mentor. And he's like, oh yeah, mate, I think pretty sure he got out of everything. So that's when I emailed him. Yeah, but I was like, guys, he deleted everything. <laughs> everything! And he, Richard the biggest ball python channel in the UK one and
3: yeah.
2: so uh even numbers was big over here in the US like yeah, numbers wise and everything he was the biggest one in the UK and uh man he must have I don't know what he was going through to d- delete it all but I mean I'm sure he would have still been he didn't have to put out new content at that point he yeah, could he have just right ride ride
1: at that point mm-hmm. I mean you have to be going through some pretty pretty copy if you're gonna shut that off because yeah. it's just that at the point that he had so much content, so many people being referred to him for specific things. Um, I mean that's running itself, even if you don't want to do new content. And so oh that's still a bummer. I, I hope he's doing better. I hope he's yeah. enjoying Boas. Um, he was one of the first like real ball python people that I, I watched.
2: Richard's a great guy. So, Richard, if you ever hear this, man, I hope you're doing well, brother. Uh, he helped me in my beginning phase of YouTube, you know? And he was a good example of keeping it simple, too. Like, everything he did from filming to editing and everything was all on his phone. So, like, he had that big old channel just using his phone. He didn't that's, get that's super fancy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. That's like, what I need is simple, simple, simple.
2: And uh, something was really cool about that group is we were all real active putting out know, videos at, at the time. And we would all kind of like give advice and give each other's videos and, you know, give encouragement and all that stuff. And that's where I kind of learned, like, I'll leave the science stuff to Rob, I'll leave uh, the how-to videos to Rich, and I'll just be me, you know? Like that's where I found my, my way, was through the those guys.
1: Yeah, uh, you found your footing. Robert, is it bear claw is that how you say it
2: yeah bear claw
1: um i watched his series on breeding ball pythons and learned so much about snake body language that i had no idea um about breeding and how females and the males interact and like just things i had never even thought about or conceptualized or thought i needed to learn about completely blew my mind open. It's like a, it seems like such a like black and white process. You put right. the snake in, you take the snake out. Just very commentary. And he made it so much more nuanced. And um, it, it had so much value.
2: Rob's channel is great. Like he's a scientist in real life. So I mean, that's why he's good at what those videos, you yeah, know, and Rich, you know, did his thing in real life, and that's why he was good at how-to stuff and, you know, and all that stuff. So, yeah, those are great guys. And and Ron's just like my homie. Ron's like one of the best mentors you can have in the whole world because you call on the phone, he'll tell you exactly like it is. No No sugarcoating. Like, this is what's going on. Let's step out of the YouTube world and all the, you know, the little smiles on Like, here's what's going on. you
3: know.
0: <laughs> all right. I need you to convince Jana to like leopard geckos. So I want you to give the elevator speech for why leopard geckos are cool and Janna and other people who are looking in on leopard
1: geckos should think that they're cool too. I'm not looking in on leopard geckos, but I will listen to your speech.
2: <laughs> Alright, so leopard geckos are cool for multiple reasons. Their temperament, their personalities, they're like super cool and cute, right? They have... A lot of the similar, like, genetics is genetics. So they have all the, like, breeding stuff that ball pythons have. They have dominance, codons, recessives, all that. But they also have the whole line breeding aspect that people worked on. So, like, you could have, like, I have two trimper albino eclipses. Like, when you look at them side by side, they're totally different animals because of the line breeding aspects of the both. So there's, Mm -hmm. yeah, that element. And then, am I up on my pin yet? So the other, <laughs> the other thing about them is, they're breeding in a year. So your projects move fast. Like, you don't have to wait three years to breed a female. You hatch her this year. You're breeding her next year.
0: Wow!
1: So you, you can move
2: people? along really fast.
1: Cohab males and females, or do you put the male in? Don't so they breed like drop eggs like cyclically through the summer?
2: Yeah. So I. I keep them similar to ball pythons. Everyone's separate. I, they do like a harem breeding style like the bigger people do. I like to know what male and female produce the eggs of for me because, like I said, there's the line breeding aspect that I'm doing. But, uh, yeah, so, like, you, you breed them, and then she drops two eggs a month. Some of do them are... you have to are, keep
1: breeding her every month, or do you just breed her the once? No, you...
2: You, when she's fertilized, she's fertilized. But, uh, like I did repair one cause she gave me two duds and I say a month, but I'm kind of lying on that. Some of these females, their cycles like two weeks. So they'll drop two eggs every two weeks. Whoa. And I've gotten a range of my females, like first time moms, one first time mom only gave me one egg the whole season. And a couple others like gave me four that were first time moms. But then like, Second year females and stuff like I had one girl give me, twelve or fourteen eggs this year. I mean, it was a lot. Wow. So you run oh, your own
1: bugs?
3: I feeder bugs. I got some
2: going, but for the level that we're at, it's just easier to pay thirty bucks to rainbow Millworms and get a whole ton of them shipped in. Okay. So
1: you have enough that you can I, do that. We
2: are we're, we're messing around with them, but I mean, it's just like a little. Not that much maintenance and care, don't get me wrong. I'm like, I don't know, for the level we're at, it's just easier. You keep them in the fridge and that slows down their metabolism enough that I can go through 3,000 in a month and a half or whatever it is. And, yeah, and it's like 30 bucks for like 3,000 of them. So, I mean, it's like compared to rat yeah. for
1: a that's so cheap, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Like,
2: compared to a rat mug, you know, 10 like, rats,
1: ten- you said it Strengthen Leo's podcast?
2: Yeah, yeah. He's on, he, he's on all the podcast platforms. And oh, he, has, he has a YouTube one, too. I don't watch it on YouTube, though. But he right. does have a YouTube
1: one. There's a good uh, place to go to, like, understand Leo genetics. because that? <laughs>
2: um, so, Strengthen Leo's and... Gecko Nation Radio is an old, like, show that used to be around. Some of the episodes aren't available anymore, but you still listen to a lot of them. So you, you just think it's the same as, as ball pythons plus the whole polygenic line breeding side of things. So it, I still don't totally understand that, but I'm messing around with it, so I'm learning as I go. But, yeah, I mean, people spend generations, of leopard geckos line breeding for certain traits. And it's really cool because, like, you see the, like I, like I said, like trimper eclipses that I have that are total different lines look like total different animals. Like, you can tell they're both albinos, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're total different animals. One's like a pale yellow with leopard spots on it. And the other one's like a highlighter, bright orange that. It's like paint patterns melted in and stuff. It's like, you wouldn't think they're the same genetics, but
3: they are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I need to look into it, because for me to want to get to like another breeding project outside of ball pythons, I want to feel like I have a good handle on it before I invest into it, because um, with ball pythons, I and mean, obviously it's like the gateway drug to the reptile industry, to right. <laughs> the breeding side. You Get a snake, and then you're like, I gotta have another one. And then as soon as you have five, and of course, everybody always has five males, or you know, like one female and five males, and um, you have to go through this like metamorphosis of levels. I I don't want to do that again. I want to come in with more knowledge rather than, oh, here's three leopard geckos, and then you know, a year be like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> and then I have to like start over basically um and so I like to I like to do more than all pythons I'm interested in doing more than all pythons I want to be intentional educated um so did you feel like you needed to research it or did you just dive right in and and you figured it out pretty quick
2: well i've been listening to strength and leo since the beginning cuz back then there wasn't really that much reptile podcast. You know, there was, uh, there was just a handful. So I really liked Strength and Leo's because he did talk about other reptiles and stuff too, and they're educational. So I was already kind of learning about leopard geckos, and then I just bought a pair for the kids for one Christmas. We were successful with them, and then when we went and helped a friend vend a show, they said they wanted to start vending and wanted to increase leopard gecko production. So then that's when I was like, all right, let's go. And I already had in my head everything that I'd already been listening to and the projects that had caught my eye. So I was like, boys, these are the projects we want to do. <laughs> we want to do. I'm telling them that's what we want right, to do. Right, right. Uh, so
1: it's more your kids' interest. Right. right. It's, it. a joint, it's, a, it's a joint
2: project, though, because like, okay. I'm the one that decided I'll be, be snow and ghost. And stuff like that, and those are kind of pricey in the leopard gecko arena. So,
1: how is the leopard gecko market? Is it going under the same stress that all the other economic markets are having? Do you market mostly on morph market? Is it something that you vend? Like, talk to me about that industry because I don't know anything about it.
2: So, the leopard geckos, I have not put any up for sale yet. Because we're vending in December, so I'm just taking them all to the show. Right, right. your
1: same product for your show, like yeah, yeah, because that was,
2: that was what the boys wanted to do. They wanted to go vend a show with their leopard geckos. So I was like, all right, we'll just hold on to them
3: and grow them up. And we only have like 14. That one girl that laid all those eggs, like
2: she. <laughs> she laid them in the water bowl a couple times. Like, so I was learning care. <laughs> right, so right. those weren't good and blah. So we didn't end up with all of those eggs, but, uh, yeah. So yeah, i I just plan on selling, we got our whole backs and then plan on selling, uh, our first leopard geckos at the show. The first year that we had that we produced leopard geckos was last year. We ended up with three because that was a first time mom, and We held all three of those girls backs. So, Technically, I've never even sold a leopard gecko.
1: Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, do you mind me asking what the price range is for the Mac Snow or Tremper Snow? How do you what? what uh, do the Albi
2: Snows—they're up there in like six hundred and above range.
3: Okay. Uh, max Snows, man, they're
2: they're lower. Like good quality leopard gecko start like 200 250 and they go on up to like 2000 Like when you start getting into Black Knight stuff, you're up there in the $2,000 range. You can get into like the newest recessive morph called the Cypher. You're up there in like the $1,200, $1,500 range. So their prices are considerably less than like the Python market. Right. You know, for the upper end stuff, so... That to me, that was a selling point.
1: It is a selling like, point, oh. yeah. It makes it more like available to the everyday consumer, like the pet industry or the. I do a lot of shows, so it'd be marketable for a show. It has to have the like under 600 price tag to be marketable on a show,
2: right? Right, right. In you our area, yes. you could sell some really nice leopard geckos that. You know, our breed or breeder quality for two and three and four hundred dollars. Okay. You yeah. and then you can sell like pet only ones too for like fifty bucks, and you're not crashing the market. Either, you know, so
3: it's
1: interesting. I will definitely be into that, Jessica. <laughs> so your elevator speech it, it it has piqued my interest enough that i that I will look into it. Yeah, I don't think you have to buy <laughs> in, but sometimes
0: you're just like Labrador oh, you Sure Ew. not, but I. Ew. Yeah. Ew. You know. I'm like, they're
1: fine. Well, my kid has expressed interest in having her own species project. And so she's interested in upper geckos and she's also interested in hognose. And your uh, speech about difficult hognose eaters left a bad taste in So, well, and then Jessica has lamented about. I want, she's 10, and she. I want to shape her to have like that business entrepreneur mindset because she's being exposed to all of this and she's been with me like every step of the way. She's started her own little um, business. She sells like snakes while I sell real snakes at reptile shows and she's doing quite well. And so she wants to take that money and invest in some kind of reptile project. And so I am pro encouraging entrepreneurship and Leopard geckos might be a better way to go than hognoses, because she likes the lavender albinos, and those are pricey. <laughs> yeah,
2: hognoses, their price ranges bit is comparable to ball pythons. So I think yes. in, my, in my mind, you're dividing your forces by like joining that higher and stuff. Whereas the leopard geckos, if you're doing it with your daughter, they cool as pets too. Like we have some. Obviously, they have their own personalities. But there's some like when we pull open the tub, this guy Homer that we got, he crawls right out and he wants to, he wants to come out and hang out with you. Other ones, you know, some of the females don't like to come out and hang out. They try to get away from you. But I mean, Homer man, he wants to come out and hang out on your arm and stuff. Personal too. So
1: yeah, that's really rad. Um, and it's a lot more. Like you said, I don't want to divide forces. And I still have several ball python projects that I need to finish out. Filling. Um and so I don't really want to draw resources away from that to do like a lavender robino hognose project properly. Right. You no, know, the three to six hundred dollar range leos. That's definitely doable. Right.
2: And that's another selling point for that species right there. Yeah,
1: I know. You've sold me. I'm going to definitely look into it for her because she had said leopard geckos. And I went, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) no, you don't want to do leopard geckos. They're dumb. And she's like, mom, they're pretty cool. She does a lot of the reptile YouTube videos and stuff. And so sometimes she knows more than I do because she's consuming quite a bit of reptile TV. And so she's like, no, they're really cool, mom. All different kinds, and I'm like, mm. so yeah, we're definitely gonna look into that together. I appreciate you. I mean, and that thirty dollars a month—that price tag sounds pretty damn good. <laughs> my oh, my wrap bill right now is like you me out of house and home. It's easier to feed three kids than it is to feed hundred ball pythons. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and what size tub do you keep your single adult leopard in, Shane?
2: Uh they're they're like the twelve quart box. Right. I got
0: the the racks from
2: Sea Serpents.
0: Do you use the pencil case tubs for the babies?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a pencil rack for hognose and, and baby leopard geckos. And then I use those double wide ones. The double wide pencil tubs.
0: For like grow outs.
2: Two per level. Yeah. Yeah. I use that for the baby leopard geckos and then I use the actual pencil ones for hognoses.
0: Right, that's the other benefit of leopard geckos, like, fast generation time, but, like, very space conservative, and you have a tiny little shack out there, so you could run a a really nice high-end leopard gecko colony in the space of an ARS 5540, and that would be pretty good.
2: Less than that. Yeah. Yeah. Like a 5520, like, well, I know we're on audio, but... Like, that's my entire leopard gecko area right there. And then this is half hog noses. So that's adults, leopard geckos. Wow,
1: that's awesome.
2: And adults, like, I just like all python day today. Like, uh, we go through, we clean their tubs, feed them. They're good for a week. I just miss their tubs since the whole water bowl laying of the eggs incident. So if you miss their tubs, they'll go up and lick the water off of the thing. They'll drink out of their humid hide.
0: The yeah, babies, so we don't I do water f- at all through the week now, and just do misting once a week. Yeah, I, yeah. I mist like twice a week, but yeah,
2: I don't use any water bowls anymore since they were laying eggs in the water and doing weird stuff. The ba- same with the babies, but the babies I do on when, like I feed them on Sundays, and then like Wednesday or Thursday, I'll drop a couple more mealworms in with the babies just to kind of give them a little supplemental snack. But the adults, I don't. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you supplement dubia yeah. or? crickets or just no mealworms? i do i do
2: millworms and then like if we go to like a show or something i'll get some of those uh what are they soapworms or whatever those green things mm-hmm. that they sell on like the little lattice ladders yeah, i'll get some like cornworms. other like some wax worms i'll get some of those kind of treats for them but those are like a treat my staple is mealworms because that's easy yeah, i have yeah. a little mini fridge in here and they just the, all the millworms stay in there and i gut load them Gut load them on Wednesdays and feed them on Sundays.
1: You gut load them.
2: You just I uh, I pull them out, put them in the room temperature. The ones I'm going to feed off, and then you just give them like shreds of carrots or spaghetti squash, and then so like they eat that, and that's like super food that they pass on to the leopard geckos. Cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's some ways that leopard geckos are easier than a snake. Like no water. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> there's no spilling water on the paper towel or whatever. Like, that is like my favorite trick of the. What is his name? Urban Gecko? No. Suburban Gecko?
2: Suburban Gecko. Yeah.
0: yeah. I was like, that is the best trick I've ever seen. Like, it's just like, wipe it out, spray some water, new paper towel, put the leopard Gecko back in. He'll lick the water. Yep. It's like the most beautiful, uh, you know, cleaning maintenance procedure. Like, you couldn't do that for a Crested Gecko. That shit is like dragged its stupid fruit paste all over the whole thing and touched it and pooped everywhere. Like, the maintenance level is so much better for a leopard gecko. My god.
2: Okay. That's that's where I learned my maintenance was from suburban geckos. That's yeah. how I learned.
0: Yeah, I don't have any geckos currently. I had them, like, 100,000 years ago when, like, a tangerine was just like a carrot tail and was kind of yellow. Right. Wow. I'm talking, like, 2,000 yeah, yeah. and... 2000? That's when I had leopard geckos. They all <laughs> looked like shit then. So the tangerines... I'm like, whoa! This is really nice. Yeah, I've been thinking about gorgeous. it. Yeah, I don't know how many, how many animals I can shove in this house, though. But Jana, she's ready to shove things. Ready. <laughs>
1: shove things everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> I mean, who needs a bedroom? I can keep sleeping in my living room. The snake's... The Leopard yeah, geckos, be they awesome. need that room.
0: It's going to be great. They
1: need that way more than me. <laughs> what other hobbies do you put your time into besides the reptile industry? Hobbies?
2: Really none outside of reptiles. I mean, my religion is music. I guess you can consider that a hobby, but that's, like, more like my religion. So I'm really into playing like, next I geek out on that and go down rabbit holes and stuff with that. So that would be, I guess, a hobby. But yeah. other than that, other than that's just
1: you're you're just an avid listener.
2: I uh, I've had some hand injuries. I've had ulnar nerve injuries on both hands, so my hands are kind of messed up. So I used to play at one point, yeah. But I still geek out on. It.
0: Heavy metal, alright. Favorite band for it. the listeners at home?
1: Oh, favorite bands for the listeners at home. That's mm-hmm. good. That's a good way to end it.
0: That is such a hard
2: question though.
1: <laughs> that's an impossible question. All do time ever? Like
2: all time ever, we and rubber. But you know, there's close there's close things like Slayer and certain genres like you know, Crowbar and you know, all the all, uh, New Orleans stuff, I love it, like, X Order. You get into like New York, we're talking like Mad Ball, go over to Texas, we're talking like Sadie May, Deep, Carry the Storm. I mean, I don't know. There's a whole bunch.
0: What's your go to experience right now? Like what's what is Shane Kelly in the mood for this? It's summer? on your playlist. Yeah, what's on your playlist? What hot tracks? I I I'm back into the- the
2: sludge metal of Louisiana crowbar and crowbar is going to be playing in Knoxville here in like a week or two. So I will be oh, to
0: that. Are you take and shots woo.
3: and go
0: <laughs> low and slow, man. <laughs> yes. All right. Awesome. Well, there we go. We got all the recommendations that so y'all better check it out for music and podcast and uh, leopard gecko content, suburban gecko. Jana's getting ten geckos tonight. She already told me.
1: No, no, no by not. blinking. She's the- <laughs> <laughs> Little hand hand signals. You you got your message. Yeah, crossed. I saw you blink. <laughs> uh, I knew. 10, 10 of something, but not leopard geckos. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, please, we already did all your social media, but go ahead and give it a shout out again. Where can the people find you?
2: Small Town Exotics, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I'm most active on Instagram, though. So if you want to message me or get a hold of me, that would be the place to do it. I also have Morph Market. I have a MeWe that I haven't logged into since 2019. So.
1: <laughs> and you have not jumped on the Vero train. No,
2: no I'm not doing it.
1: I, yeah. I refuse. Talks to that. Me neither. Yeah, forget it. <laughs> I've done a lot of work in Instagram and
2: YouTube, so I'm not changing I'm not changing now. I do have a TikTok. I do have a TikTok. I'm kind of sort of starting to be active there a little bit, so
1: you gotta understand or TikTok. It literally is like foreign to me. I I, I love how many gay men are
0: on TikTok. <laughs> That's my new TikTok input. Just a ton of gay guys. Making cakes. Fucking sassy. Movie? Love it, I guess. Get on TikTok. Okay, check it out for that. Yeah, just so many. I just, I'm there, man. Yeah, please make Uh... more cakes. All right, everybody, we did it. Thank you, Shane. Bye, everybody. Have a beautiful day.
3: Bye.